0: Before we begin episode three of Renaissance Man, I want to thank everyone for their kind feedback. This podcast is very much a journey into uncharted territory for my father, Philip, and myself, so your reactions are useful in helping us figure out what to talk about next. We especially welcome your insights on iTunes or Stitcher. Please give us a rating or a review on either platform. It means a great deal. Or send us an email, the address, all one word, is renaissancemanpodcast at com. That's renaissancemanpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, we hope you'll recommend this podcast to friends. Post a link of this episode on Facebook or Twitter. Thanks for helping us spread the word. I... Hello, you're listening to Renaissance Man. A podcast featuring my father, Philip Brunel, as he talks about the world of music.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: so so let's talk a little bit about again the life the life of a choral conductor, right? So talk a a, a bit about how do you allocate time? So between administrating and doing research and and, and rehearsals and and, and you gotta promote your choir, how how do you go about allocating time? Well, everyone has
2: to go about it differently depending on their own talents. Mm -hmm. And if they are a person who has difficulty organizing their life then certain things are going to take longer for them uh... when it comes to studying music um, it's going to take some people longer to know to, to get to know a piece of music than someone else so that you could hand ten people the same piece of music and say um, we're going to be doing this in performance and we want each of you to conduct. How long will it take you to learn this? And one person could say, "Well, it's a short choral piece that takes about three minutes. Oh, I can have that ready in an hour." Mm-hmm. And the next person could say, "Oh, I'm going to need a week." Yeah, you know. I mean, so so the amount of time it takes for each person is gonna vary mm-hmm. a great deal depending
0: on their own talents. Yeah. We're, we're, we'll do another episode specifically about programming and and, uh, right. and things like that. But on a general level, where do you get your repertoire from? As a uh, You're the guy choosing what's gonna be sung. Where do you get your repertoire from?
2: Well, I'm a voracious reader and I'm a person who is always looking uh, at music. Old music, new music, and trying to, in my mind, keep it cataloged so that I can call upon it when I need something. Um, when I was in junior high and had a paper route, and I spent the money buying madrigals, which was, of course, what all junior high boys were doing. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And um, so I've just had uh, this great love of all periods of music, and mm-hmm. so. I, I'm fascinated by Renaissance music, but I'm also fascinated by what composers are writing today. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to as in as organized a way as I can keep um
0: up on music of all kinds and styles. So you allocate you deliberately allocate time to research, research and look Absolutely. at music. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um is part of preparing, you know, the preparation side of it. Will you do like, will you go visit a venue if you're going to sing at the cathedral? Are you going to go? Maybe you've never been there. Will you go visit it before to get a sense of the place?
2: Oh yes, if I if I'm going to do a concert in a certain venue, I would like to see the venue before I choose the program mm-hmm. because the acoustics may be such that a piece that I had chosen is going to sound terrible mm-hmm. in that in that venue. So I do it. I also want to choose my music as far in advance as I can. So it has time to just uh, settle in with me. And I begin to feel that piece and I know what it's like and what it's
0: going to sound like. Mm -hmm. Um, So thinking about, you know, you've got your choirs, but let's say a a guest choir is going to come in and perform with you. Will you go and see them perform? Do you do like Mm -hmm. research on other choirs that you may be working with? Well, I'll listen to them, of course, if mm-hmm. I don't know them. If it's a choir I
2: know, it mm-hmm. doesn't matter because I already know how good. And I'm not interested in bringing
0: a, you know, a mm-hmm. so-so choir. I'm right. only going right. to bring really wonderful choirs mm-hmm. here. Um, i put a, a question out via Twitter. And so uh, Paul Wilson, who was, uh, had been in Cantus, asked a question. He said he's always fascinated with a conductor's um, score study process. So what's your sc- process for studying scores and and how does it vary Um, I am a conductor who doesn't
2: like to mark up a score a lot I mean I will mark in certain things to watch out for this but I think some people tend to just mark a score up so much you can it's difficult to see the notes because Mm -hmm. they have so many markings Mm -hmm. in there and I don't want to do that I want the notes mm-hmm. to uh, to reflect what I'm looking for and what I need mm-hmm. and uh, I, I would like as I say to know the piece um, as cold as I can uh, by starting early mm-hmm. and having time and then being able, that gives you the opportunity to keep coming back to it oh yes here mm-hmm. is this oh here is something wonderful that I really hadn't noticed before about what a composer was trying to do you know, that chord that they just did, you know, that couldn't have been anywhere else in that piece, but look how it fits so beautifully. Well, mm-hmm. if you're doing everything at the last second, you right. can't do that. At the same time, there are times when you have no advanced time. Right. You just have to go and and conduct. Well, then you have to count on your own ability to hear the piece, to understand what uh, this this kind of period of music is
0: all about and be able to make it work so when you're in the in the process of studying a score though like how uh, do you allocate between the notes themselves and the harmonies versus the lyrics and the meaning of the text and do you you know if you're how much work will you do to say oh i'm gonna i want to understand you know let's say it's a composer that you know, died a, a hundred years ago. Will you do research on the history of this composer and oh, yes. other works and yep. and like, well, they lived in a certain time and so it, it was around a, a certain world event and so that the context of this piece, how much of that kind of work do you do that, that is involved in, in in studying a score? I like to put things in historical context mm-hmm.
2: as much as I can. Right. And, or if it's a composer I know, but it's a poet, I don't know, mm-hmm. then I'm kind of interested, hmm, who, who is this poet? Why was the composer drawn to this poet? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I like to do as much in advance work, which just also is because I love to read. And so reading, uh, you know, on all kinds of books, I mean, obviously, a great deal of what I read is all about music. And right. uh, But there's just fascinating things that people, their own ideas about what a composer was thinking... And whether you, whether you take those views uh, seriously or not, it's great to have something that you can bounce your own brain off of.
0: Yeah, and, and it, you may or may not use that information to inspire exactly. the chorus. Yeah. Um, so here's, a, here's a kind of a last uh, question. I guess this falls under the subject of kind of preparing and administration, but how do you recruit singers to a choir? I mean you've been doing this for a long time and I'm I'm trying to think of when you when you initially started Plymouth Music Series, meaning Vocalescence, like how do you how do you attract singers to come sing for you and your choir? Singers are attracted
2: to a choir by a number of factors. One, of course, is the repertoire.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Do they sing interesting music that I would like to sing? Uh, there are people who only want to sing in a choir that does Handel's Messiah. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Well, then they won't come to me. I love Handel's Messiah, but it's going to be done by other people, so I don't do that. So there are people interested in what's the repertoire you're going to do. Don't worry. People check with each other, and they listen, and and they say, I like the sound of that choir. I want to be part of that sound. That really means a lot to people. And at the end of the day, whether you're working, you know, just struggling with something or whether it's something that's just, you know, operetta and it's like, at the end of the day, it's got to be fun. Mm-hmm. People have to say, I had an enjoyable experience. My word, that rehearsal was three hours. Is it over already? I just can't believe it. Yeah. That was so much fun to hear that <laughs> and to spend time with it. And that really counts for a lot. Yeah.
0: So kind of in a related uh, question, Eric Friesen uh, offers this question. Um, Are tenors still in shortest supply when it comes to finding good singers? Yes, (laughs) they are. There's just something about it,
2: Uh, finding the right tenors. I mean, you don't also need as many tenors as you do other voices because – where it is in the range you can yeah. hear. But again, it depends on the quality of the tenors you have. Uh-huh. Uh, in a perfect world, you you definitely want uh, more women because uh, the female voice and its quality is going to be a little lighter mm-hmm. than, say, a bass voice. Right, And so you always are gonna need, in terms of balance, mm-hmm. uh, there's no perfect balance, mm-hmm. but if you were looking
0: if you were mathematically if, you
2: know mathematically i mean if you said we're going to have a choir and we're going to have 30 sopranos mm-hmm. and 30 altos mm-hmm. so we would be okay with 20 tenors and 20 bases
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, you may not get that and you may end up with only 15 tenors right. and 18 bases yeah. you know to balance it and you will most likely end up with more altos than you will Sopranos. That's that's, that's what o- experience has taught you. Yeah, hmm. but that's okay because oftentimes the alto part is submerged in the texture of the piece, so it's good to have a few more to help bring out that that texture.
0: All right. Thinking again, about the the life of being a choir director and moving on to the the idea of rehearsing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, um, do you have a routine? Like, you know, before you, before any rehearsal starts. It's Wednesday night for the the church choir. Tuesday night for vocal lessons. Do, do you do anything before you walk in? Do you have any lucky habits or rituals? No. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: well, every rehearsal is different because the repertoire is different. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and. You know, if you come to a rehearsal uh, and people have just been struggling to get there because uh, there, it's a blizzard outside, mm-hmm. oh, my word, yeah. Yeah. you know, then, you know, you might start the rehearsal in a different way. You might start with, you know, a joke. Yeah. Uh, than just saying, we're going to start with the most difficult piece and they've just been struggling for 45 minutes to get there. So you're not going to do that. Or if there's something that's happened in the world, a very tragic accident, uh, you might just begin rehearsal a little more calmly Mm -hmm. than if suddenly you saw them all coming from work and they look so tired. You have to be the energizer to go, hey... You know
0: I know you've all had a big day but let's go here we're gonna have fun we're Mm -hmm. gonna have fun so can you describe a a choir rehearsal in general at its best I'm hearing you say that 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 like they walk out and go I had fun Mm -hmm. all right Uh, how important is it to warm up a choir
2: it's just as important as it is for an athlete to warm up Mm -hmm. what are your favorite what are your favorite warm-ups Uh, I think there are different kinds of ways to warm up. You want to have them um, feel uh, the sense of where that sound is in their body, Mm -hmm. um, using different vowels to achieve different kinds of of, uh, uh, things. Uh, You'll have a different kind of warm-up in the evening than you would if you're meeting at 8.30 in the morning, Mm. you know getting people started you a warm up in the morning very likely could begin with physical stretching and not anything vocal mm. just to get the body going you know, yeah. So again it depends a lot on when in the day it is and what you're trying to achieve
0: mm-hmm. when you uh, thinking about guest conducting situations so you've done a, a lot of those you walk in it's a new choir you, you, you know, you're gonna work them with them for a finite period of time mm-hmm. they've never worked with you before you've never worked with them how do you uh, and by the way this question is from uh, your youngest son my brother Chris so how do you go about working with a choir that you've never worked with before Uh, And how do you choose what elements to focus on? Well, again, it depends on the choir
2: you're working with. Um, But I'm always interested when I'm first there, and they say, would you like to do the warm-up? And I said, you know, for the first day, I'd like to see you, whoever the person is that does the Mm warm-up, I'd like to see how you do a warm-up. So I can kind of see what they're used to um, in terms of a style. Working as I did in Korea recently with a choir, there it's a different kind of uh, perspective. They always begin with physical warm-ups first. And then they do certain kind of warm-ups. For me, of course, one of the... This was a phenomenal choir. They sang beautifully. This choir in Korea. Yeah, they came prepared. It was great. The biggest challenge, of course, we had is that they don't speak English, right. or that so, you don't
0: speak, and Korean. my
2: Korean is non-existent. <laughs> so, uh, so consequently, I had a translator with me all of the time, ah. and then it was a question of trying to get because we had a lot of repertoire that was in English. Mm. So you know, and in languages like in Asian languages, they have five sounds: mm-hmm. a, o, e, o, u. That they don't have A. Ah, they don't have if so trying to get them to understand so you might do oh. a warm up using one of those but uh, in south africa when i tried to get them to say the word ship and they kept saying sheep and i said e and they went e and i went no I, e e you know yeah. The, their concept of what a sound is Is so different Because they, they never had to make that sound Yeah, We yeah. in the USA Are more used to just such a huge variety Of vowel sounds mm. That ah. they don't have So we are Which is why we end up doing A lot of different repertoire right. And we're used to Working with a lot of repertoire So that becomes one of the big challenges That you have to do Plus, just how do you make a different group work stylistically? Um, mm-hmm. You go and work with a choir in Africa, and th- their tonal scale, which might be do, 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 and you say, okay, now do, 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 that is really difficult because they don't do the half steps. Mm. And so, <laughs> Trying to get their voice to do that—it's—and and then you have to try to figure out: Are there some exercises? Are there some interesting things I can try just to get them to? to you have to kind of hear it inside your head. Yeah, you know, it's not like an instrumentalist that just move fingers a, something and they can do it.
0: Move a muscle.
2: No, yeah. it doesn't work. Yeah. But this is—that's where singing. It's another wonderful challenge. Is what I love.
0: Yeah, I, I I have occasionally tried to be a backup singer in a band and and failed. Um, but it is it is the hearing, yep. hearing it in your head, never mind controlling your tongue, jaw, throat to deliver the thing you hear in your head. Exactly. Yeah. Well, so how do you help a choir that's, that's struggling or a section of a choir that's struggling when you're a guest conductor? Um, if there's a section of the
2: choir, I would figure out a way in the rehearsal process to just t- work with that group alone. Because obviously that section of the choir is is pulling down all of the choir. They're all, you know, because they're sort of like, you know, you need to figure out uh, if the basses, for instance, are not staying in tune. Mm-hmm. If they're just always flat. Mm-hmm. Well, that's going to totally affect. How the rest of the choir sings because they're going to re- they rely on the bases. They, mm-hmm. That's the fundamental sound they need. Mm-hmm. So,
0: so you, the, you you might call a break and say, "Hey, let's do a section rehearsal." Yeah, I just or, say
2: after the break, uh, "Hey, soprano, alto, tenor, just take a little longer break." I just want to work with the basses a
0: bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, thinking about again, you've been qu- conducting choirs for a long period of time. Do you do anything differently today in rehearsing choirs than you did, say, 40 years ago? Oh, yes.
2: Um, One thing I know that I do differently um, might be just in explaining how I want a piece of music to sound or a phrase to sound. I used to... Assume that everybody had that all the same amount of knowledge about music that I did and that that we all shared, so I for instance, if I was doing a Renaissance piece mm-hmm. uh I might make some comment forty years ago about it and say, "Well, you all know what I'm speaking of," and they'd yeah. look at me like, "Uh-uh, not." A clue. Yeah, we, we
0: haven't spent time in the library like you have. Right. Yeah. And
2: so then you kind of, <laughs> oh, because I never want to talk down to people. Mm-hmm. And I just always felt early on that that maybe was what I would be doing. Mm. I found out not true. Now it's just that I'm sharing some information and saying, you know, you probably already know this but you may have forgotten mm-hmm. um, the fact is they probably never did know it right. but I'm just trying to make sure that right. we're all on the same wavelength and it's like oh okay that's what that means
0: well, and, you, yeah. it's the same in making a film you know there's the, this comment this question are we all making the same movie <laughs> and so yeah. the the cinematographer and the director and the grips and, and, and everybody and the actors are we all on the same page and a lot of times when you know, before a film begins you know production you sit in a room together mm-hmm. and you have conversations about what was the intent of the screenwriter or the subject matter or the time period mm-hmm. so do, do, in rehearsing uh, kind of a, a last question do you do you have uh, conversations with the choir do you sit down and tell them a story about let me tell you a story about this composer and, sure Hmm. I do that. I want... The more you
2: can get a singer's to buy into the music, mm. the more interested they are in the music. And mm. they go, oh, okay, I didn't know that. And they find this out. When we did a piece of Argento that was based on a piece of prose uh, of um, a few years ago, a piece called Walden Pond, and I asked them all... Do me a favor. Want you to all go home, Mm -hmm. take this poem, and and the poem, uh, the prose was there inside the front cover. Go somewhere where nobody's around, and just say this out loud as Mm -hmm. if you were saying it to an audience. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, and I want you to do this every day, (laughs) and then just read it, and then I said, I guarantee you, when we come next week and sing it, you will have a different feeling about how this works. And they came back the next week, and they all went. Yes, they really felt differently. It wasn't just looking at the music and singing the notes.
0: So, finally, in the kind of chapter three, if you will, of the life of a choral conductor, we come to performing um Do you have a routine like in your in your dress before you go on stage a lucky rabbit's foot do you throw some salt over your left shoulder like any of that no um I don't eat before a performance mm-hmm.
2: and um and i uh want always um you know i think just some quiet time mm-hmm. uh if what i can you, and,
0: and what do you do are you thinking or what do you mm-hmm. think or not thinking thinking about the music mm.
2: thinking about the music and uh um trying to just focus on on that uh performing needs to be something you if you approach a performance and you're nervous mm-hmm.
1: uh,
2: I think it probably would mean that you aren't prepared uh mm. and that's why you're nervous uh because I think being excited about something is great, right, but being nervous uh will often lead to mistakes. Mm. You would get up there and oh dear, I would you know you conduct something. In the wrong meter you conduct something at the wrong tempo you ever done that huh oh sure you know not often no. but it's happened again I, and and you learn from those kinds of yeah. things and you're going i shouldn't have done that I, or, or you know i should leave more time to get here so i have time to calm my mind right and, whatever and, that means you mm-hmm. know yeah it can happen or you know we're just all human you start a piece at the wrong tempo. you go oh. no no, that was the wrong tempo. It mm-hmm. was too fast to do it well. And then you just have to, in the course of... Then you'd have to slow the piece down a little bit to where it needs right. to be. You know, I mean, this doesn't happen often. Right.
0: But it can happen. Well, yeah, I, mean, I think in more than 40 years of performing, you've made your fair share of mistakes at the podium. And, and, uh, but the, the issue isn't that you made them. It's what do you do as a result? hmm
2: Exactly. You... Uh, you know, you need to keep going. What are the things? Did you cue someone in incorrectly? Did you mm. cue a part in? Uh, you know, what are the things that, you know, those kind of things, they do happen. And
0: that's just part of the nature of of being human. Right. Do you ever, um, related to performance, do you ever uh, afterwards watch a videotape or listen to a performance to kind of go back and audit yourself? I know what I did. If I made a mistake, I know what I did
2: i don 't have to go back and listen to say, "Oh yeah, there it is i mm-hmm. you know i mm-hmm. you know uh, not that i don't go back and listen to something uh because if if we 're going to have something broadcast, I need to listen to it to make sure that also the miking was done in a way that doesn't sort of suddenly. Oh my word! The mic's in the wrong place. All
0: we hear are the basses. Oh, right. Yeah. You know. So I do have to go back, of course. Right. When you think about performance, um, do you have any role models or e- either choirs or conductors that you know that that just deliver great performances? And in your mind, I I, I aspire for that.
2: Well, I think more so. I wouldn't th- think of choirs as much as I would say that there are. You know, I mean conductors. Yeah, there are conductors World who, who really, uh, you know, c- conduct at the top of their game. That you say, oh, you know, I I I admire that. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to mm-hmm. be exactly like that person. Mm-hmm. Let's say Robert Shaw is a mm-hmm. good example. A wonderful conductor. You know, I'm not going to be exactly like Robert Shaw. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be exactly like Robert right, Shaw. Right. But he he brought such musicality to everything he conducted, Mm -hmm. and he he just serves as a wonderful example of what you want to try to be
0: in your own way of making Mm -hmm. music. Are there any um, up-and-coming or young composers you've seen? You know, you've you've been all over the world. Any Mm -hmm. conductors that you're like, wow, I'm I'm excited to see what that person's going to do in terms of performance? Um,
2: Oh, sure. Uh, I think there are some wonderful young conductors that are out there. You know, certainly the big sensation that people talk about now is Gustavo Dudamel, Mm -hmm. who comes from um, Venezuela Mm -hmm. and now is the conductor of the Los Angeles Philharmonic. I was in Caracas when he was conducting the youth orchestra there. He must have been 18 when Mm -hmm. I heard him, and they were doing a Mahler symphony. And I remember just watching him going, good
0: grief. This kid is going to go big time, and Mm did. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you've got a reaction, please send us an email. The address, again, is renaissancemanpodcast at gmail.com. Many thanks to Allison and Plymouth Congregational Church for supplying our interview venue. I'm Tim Brunel. Renaissance Man will be back with one more episode focused on choral conducting. We're going to talk about some pro tips, conducting secrets, Robert Shaw, the National Council on the Arts, and a few other random ideas. Until then...